This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Episode 448 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund keeping the pressure on Bayern in the title race with a 5-2 win against the inferior Borussia. And we will preview Sunday's match away to FC Augsburg. For all that and more, joins me Matthias Zug. Hello, Matthias. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. I'm doing quite well. Springtime has finally properly arrived in the Rocky Mountains, and I'm no longer worried about too much snow. And so things are things are looking up. How are you? Uh, I'm in a state of utter despair because my 76ers have lost Game 7 against the Celtics. And I have to honestly say, this was probably the worst loss <laughs> I've experienced as a sports fan in general. I don't think Borussia Dortmund have ever given me this much pain in any loss. You know, obviously losing the Champions League final and such you know, very bitter losses, but uh, I've never had a loss where you lose due to your star players just completely no-showing. So that was something new to me, and I feel like this is something a bit more Spursy or Schalke thing to do, like this kind of choke drop. I'm not used to from Dortmund, so last Sunday I was really distraught, but uh, luckily for me, uh, Borussia Dortmund did not lay an egg <laughs> to add to that uh, make it a, a loser omelette for me. So, Matthias, um, I have to say that was a very enjoyable game <laughs> against Gladbach because uh, when it was half time, uh, we could already, you know, think about the next game and maybe who to rest. Um, I think Tessic took, uh, was it Hummels and Riasson off uh, at some point, I think 60 minutes or so, due to um, them being on uh, a fourth yellow right now, so to avoid suspension. So, Really easy going, but of course, uh, that all being said, Dortmund once again playing really well. Uh, who and what stood out for you? Well, I mean, you know, Sebastian Alea, I would say that's probably his best match as a Dortmund player so far, uh, which I know isn't saying much because he missed half of the season and so on, uh, and he's still coming back to form. But this really answered some of the calls that we had, even in the last episode, and just in general in terms of his productivity and scoring more goals. You know, he scored a, a very striker poacher goal and then a really nice kind of back heel through the legs redirected goal. And that's the kind of stuff you need him to do. Not necessarily. I mean, yes, build up and all that stuff is very, very important, but also just finish those chances. So that was really good for Dortmund in general. And then uh, obviously for him in particular. But that's that's really, you know, my huge standout was um, Sebastian Alea doing really, really well. Donny well, Malen, let, once let's again, talk about people. that before we move over mm -hmm. to uh, Malen, because I first of all, I think I think he was uh, involved in the first four goals, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, he had an assist for the first one. And uh, what stood out to me for the first is that he took on a defender 1v1 and just walked past him and then 
um, because Gl uh, Marlon sort of uh, had two defenders on him. I, I fail to remember who it was who made sort of a last-ditch effort to tackle um, the shot and, and blocking it, I think. It might have been Benze Baini, um, so that Marlon then could just run through and uh, head it in. But the fact that Alea now has the physicality or the physical ability um, to to sprint at that pace at a defender and have the technique to, to just walk past him and almost create a wide open shot for himself. Obviously the shot was blocked in the end, but uh, it did look fairly open. I think if he had uh, aimed for the other corner of the goal, um, it would have been on target without the block. So um, I just wanted to, to just talk about that to me was a highlight just because we have not really seen such a dynamic action from Alea where he really just created a shot and a scoring opportunity for himself which obviously ultimately uh, yielded in the goal because uh, Daniel Malen uh, with his striker instincts right now did push it over the line so to me that is obviously not worthy and uh, I mean the the the, poacher, the 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 penalty also um <laughs> Where Jude Bellingham, I would say, was a little bit lucky that it went in underneath uh, Olchowski or whatever the goalkeeper's name is. Um, it was also a great motion where he received the ball and, and had this turnaround and all uh, in very quick fashion. So that the fact that he was bundled over, uh, I forgot by who it was, um, Yeah, uh, created obviously the 2 nothing very early on. And uh, yeah, if, if we talk about the combination for the third goal between uh, Marlin and, and, and Julian Brandt, of course, and then you have this beautiful back heel goal. I don't know about you, Matthias, but um, Gladbach obviously have been in shambles, quite honestly. But to me, Dortmund are reaching a level right now where they are pretty much unplayable. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, over the last few weeks, we've really seen Dortmund kick it up another gear and notch and play to the level that uh, obviously all Dortmund fans really want them to play. I mean, I, I've always talked about in the past, geez, what do you expect? I want to blow teams away four or five, six goals all the time. Well, right now they kind of are. And uh, that's awesome to see. Uh, it's great to see. Obviously, you're not able to do that all the time. But now where we're really in crunch time and uh, obviously since that disappointing match against Bochum, it's really, you know, we're seeing Dortmund play at a level that's uh, fantastic to see. And Gladbach, conversely, you know, they've kind of been so up and down this season. I, I had expected more. I had mentioned, you know, this wasn't really a match I was too worried about because they had nothing to play for. If you look at who's left on the schedule, this is really the team with nothing left. And they played like a team that had nothing left to play for. Yeah, occasionally they tried to press Dortmund high, but Dortmund played around that press so easily and effortlessly. And then there was just, it was just open. They could just walk right through Gladbach and did it again and again and again. And much like uh, Wolfsburg the week prior, I think Gladbach could probably be happy that they only conceded five goals. Uh, Dortmund were effortless. Yeah, you know, at the end, you could say, you know, when that penalty happened, the, which, you know, of course, we'll talk about, that Dortmund were a little bit too chill for a while there. Um, but quickly regained their focus and and kind of shut the door right there at the end with Gio Reina, the, the man for the late goals. 
And so, yeah, overall, really, really good performance. It was interesting during the match, uh, the commentator mentioned that the last time Gladbach won in Dortmund was 10 years ago. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, that was the match that I attended. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that was that was a great little reminder there. Um, that was still under Jürgen Klopp. So, yay, uh, memories. But uh, this time, obviously, Dortmund, uh, there was no doubt who was the significantly better Borussia. And yeah, the Jinx had left the building a decade yes. ago. <laughs> yes, for sure. Sorry. <laughs> this is very funny to me. But that's that's basically it. I mean, Dortmund deserved win, dominant win. Um, what I mean, there's really I don't really have much more to add to that because it was just so overwhelming. Uh, for the majority of the game. I will say for Gladbach, it was great to see Lars Stinde score a goal. He's going to be going back to the club where he started, Karlsruhe in the second tier, which is kind of a, a cool little heartwarming story. Um, and with that goal, he actually equaled Günther Netza for goals at Gladbach. And, and I always feel like Stindl is one of those highly underappreciated Bundesliga professionals. Uh, so for him, on a personal level, that was really great to see. It was also a really nice goal. You know, he... Uh... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when someone scores a goal that has a super low XG, it tends to mean it was a screamer, and it definitely was that. Yeah, I mean, Niklas Süle can probably do better. Uh, he can probably switch over to Stindl, uh, you know, half a second sooner than he did. I think he has probably a better chance to, to block that shot. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that one can be a bit lucky that toward the end, uh, Gladbach didn't make it 43 because they they certainly had a chance after that. But um, yeah, I feel like I feel like that was sort of kicked off by this nonsensical penalty, which uh, to my surprise was the first penalty that Dortmund conceded all season. And uh, yeah, I don't think the referee had this one right, and I'm very glad it wasn't. A, a talking point at all because if it had been I'd be freaking mad after you know the Adyemi non-call <laughs> to call this on, on Giorena this is absolutely ridiculous but um, yeah I mean what what makes me really happy is just that uh, Dortmund's utter dominance in the in the second half of the season I feel like um, Daniel Malen and, and Sebastian Alea and also Karim Adiemi and their ascension in the second half of the season really speaks to that. I mean, if we look at the Hinrunden-Tabelle versus the Rückrunden-Tabelle, um, Dortmund finished the first half of the season with 31 points and had uh, scored 31 goals and they conceded 25. That's in 17 games. Meanwhile, now after 15, Dortmund lead obviously the league. They have 36 points, Bayern have 32 and uh, Dortmund have scored 47 and only conceded 17. So Bayern have scored 38 and uh, conceded 19. So um, our goal difference is plus 30 in the second half of the season and Bayern's is plus 19. So uh, in, in that regard, um, had Dortmund played you know, at the same level they're doing now in the first half of the season, I think it, without a doubt we'd be uh, already champions now. Um, because uh, this this level of form is just uh, amazing. And uh, I personally am just really super happy um, that Daniel Malen uh, in the second half of this year or season or whatever you want to call it um, has found some much-needed form. 
Um, because unlike with Karim Adeyemi, who of course uh, joined Dortmund from the Austrian uh, Bundesliga, um, you know, it, it is his second year and with this price tag and the expectation because Daniel Malen didn't come here as a super young teenager. I mean, he isn't old exactly either, but uh, if you're already in your 20s, I think at Dortmund, the expectations are a little bit different since he's now, what, 24 or so um, than when you arrive here as like a 17, 18, 19-year-old. So the fact that he has found his groove and um, that this team uh, altogether has found its groove um, to me is is amazing. And uh, yeah, Daniel Malen is uh, probably one of the best uh, players in the Bundesliga right now. Um, I mean, he has now scored uh, nine goals, assisted six, and uh, I'm pretty sure most of them have come in the second half of the season. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe a couple more hat-tricks and uh, he can... Uh, compete for the Torjäger Kanone because with uh, Robert Lewandowski no longer in the Bundesliga <laughs> um, I think uh, Niklas Füllkrug is leading those rankings right now with uh, 16 and uh, if we look at uh, Sebastian Aller I think it's also important I think he's now on seven goals um, and you know if, if you sort of extrapolate his current form I think he's a plus 20 goal scorer and uh, you know he will also always be in the range of six to eight, maybe even 10 assists in the season, considering uh, his ceiling. Um, I'm already looking forward to the next season and seeing how, how this pans out and really hope uh, they can all stay injury-free and uh, conserve this form into the next tenure. Um, but to me, this is, of course, uh, a very positive development, which especially in Marlin's, um case I didn't quite see coming because he was slumping a lot he didn't really get back on defense and there were just uh, so many negatives ab about him that uh, this turnaround to me is very amazing and with Karim Adeyemi I think he needed a little bit more time but actually um, if you compare him to uh, Malen's development at Dortmund he's actually taking far less time to come good um, obviously the switch to left side has uh, really opened things up for him and he has now understood a way better sense how to utilize his speed and just dust defenders left, right and center. And uh, yeah, we are creating mismatches on both wings right now and this is obviously something you always uh, dream of uh, and often sometimes you also want to create with the assistance of your fullbacks but with Adimi and Marlon alone, I feel like Dortmund are doing this. They don't even need Guerrero, Wolf, Riasson or whoever to create these mismatches. But obviously, um, having these fullbacks, obviously that does help on the offensive end as well, which uh, in Riasson's case actually is a little surprising to me, but uh, I certainly welcome it. Um, he had a very good game against Wolfsburg as well. So... Yeah, Matthias, I don't know about you, but um, I'm just very positive about this team. But the problem is we're very positive at the uh, back of two home games. <laughs> Meanwhile, if we look at that one's road form, things are not looking quite as dandy. So uh, considering that FC Augsburg has uh, rarely been a happy hunting ground for Dortmund, unless it's uh, <laughs> us introducing a new striker, <laughs> uh, because I think Aubameyang and... Uh, did Aubameyang score four in his debut away to Augsburg, or was it three? I don't even remember. I, I, I know obviously, that Holland uh, you scored know, three. Holland, yeah, everyone remembers that one coming off the bench. Um, so, yeah, and, and Augsburg, they've always been a difficult side for some reason for Dortmund, just the way they play. And the problem that Dortmund faces, Augsburg have played themselves into a relegation fight, 
And so, I mean, I mean, they're they're four points clear of the playoff spot. So odds are they're going to be fine. Um, But I mean, they're also slumping. So it's yeah, they have something to play for. But they had that against Bochum, a direct rival when it comes to relegation. And they lost and they laid an egg. Um, And so. Yeah, I mean, this could go either way. Now, either they're super focused, but Dortmund are super focused too. So as long as Dortmund maintain that focus and play with the edge and remember Bochum and remember, you know, Stuttgart to a degree and go, you know what, we're just not going to have that happen. And Stuttgart a little bit less so because Stuttgart really opened up for most of the game. You know, I don't expect Augsburg to come at Dortmund. Uh, So I see it maybe a little bit more like... Uh, the match against Bochum and just keeping that reminder in the back of their head and focus when it comes to finishing and how they approach this match. It's going to be tricky. It's not going to be pretty, but I do believe ultimately Dortmund will win this one in Augsburg just because they're in such a high form. They're very focused. They're not mentally off their game at all. Um, and, you know, Augsburg are a little backpedaling right now simply because they weren't expecting. If you go back two weeks, I said, you know, Augsburg have nothing to play for. And pretty much everybody agrees with that. And then they started like playing like crap. Um, and I mean, no offense to Augsburg. It's a lovely city. It's a club I wouldn't miss in the Bundesliga, to be perfectly honest. Uh, if I could swap them for Stuttgart, I would. But uh, I would I would enjoy Borussia Dortmund turning up to Augsburg, winning and making Augsburg uh, very very nervous on the last match day. Well, here's the good news. Um, I think Dortmund's performance away to Bochum was pretty good. They didn't win because they couldn't uh, score their chances and uh, referees are incompetent. But uh, at least form wise. Um, I think uh, Dortmund were okay in that game. And if they play a similar match and have a bit more efficiency up front, I do think that Dortmund um, will win this game. So um, I'm, I should be scared, but for whatever reason, I'm not really. Um, but there is a talking point I have here. And uh, I wanted to discuss that with you because I have not quite calculated the arithmetics of the next match day. However... Um, Back in the day, <laughs> as in two two seasons ago, I think, um, because I think the switch came for the last season. Um, the the penultimate match day is no longer um a three thirty Saturday kickoff for everybody because now it's like any other Bundesliga match day. Um, we have Freiburg playing Wolfsburg on Friday, and that of course um will determine whether RB Leipzig uh have already ensured a spot in the Champions League or not. Because if they do, um, their incentive against Bayern is entirely different than uh, if they um, have to, um, you know, play for something. So we on Friday have already the root for Freiburg and hope that they beat VfL Wolfsburg. Um, so they keep their chances alive for a Champions League spot and put pressure on Leipzig to get a result in Munich. That is already very important. And then, of course... Um, Augsburg will also already kind of know um, whether they um, are more under pressure or not because, uh, as you said, right now they are four points uh, above the drop zone and um, if Schalke lose to Frankfurt and, uh, you know, I don't know, obviously Hertha 
play Bochum directly, but uh, if if uh, Stuttgart don't win in Mainz, I think they have a pretty... And Hoffenheim. Don't forget Hoffenheim against Union Berlin. Yeah. Another big one. Exactly, exactly. So these games all happen before Augsburg and Dortmund play, I think, um, because uh, the final uh, match of that match day is uh, Leverkusen against Gladbach, uh, which, of course, is also a nice matchup. Uh, probably better for Leverkusen right now, who are also in the hunt uh, for a European spot. Um, so, yeah, what what do you make of the fact that, uh, and of course, should mention it, that uh, theoretically Bayern can also claim the championship. And should they win it, maybe it's nicer if they win it uh, this way by uh, <laughs> not actually playing. Because if Bayern win and Dortmund lose in Augsburg, um, then I think the title is also already decided. So, um, yeah. Uh, last season, I don't think too many people complained, but with this season, things being that close, I feel like um, the reason why the Bundesliga had it set up for decades like this uh, come, becomes very apparent to me. Well, there's a, a wonderful German word called Wettbewerbsverzerrung. <laughs> um, and uh, it basically means you are altering the outcome of a competition because of what you do or don't know. And we can't forget that if we go back 50 years, the Bundesliga was embroiled in a betting scandal, uh, basically point shaving, if you want to call it for anything else, but a betting scandal that really rocked the league to its foundation and changed a lot of things. And so in my opinion, the last two match days need the matches need to happen at the exact same time for exactly the reasons you said. Because if Freiburg lose to Wolfsburg, then it's done. Leipzig are guaranteed to be in the Champions League, whether they're third or fourth. I'm not off the top of my head, I'm not sure how that alters things as far as the Champions League draw is concerned next season, but that's secondary, really. It's primary is to get in. I don't and think the players that, care too much. No, I don't think they care. Um, so that basically means, okay, all pressure's off. Leipzig have nothing left to play for for the rest of the season um, in a club that nobody really cares about. So that's, that's you know, the big one right there. Obviously, the Wolfsburg match has implication. Also, the very first match of the match day has implications for the very last one. Because if Wolfsburg lose, Leverkusen can leapfrog them into the sixth place with a win. So that you know, changes things like right there. If Wolfsburg, um, I guess theoretically Frankfurt could still catch them, but I don't think so just because of gold difference. And like you said, all the Saturday matchups that have implications for relegation are, are huge because then Stuttgart plays on Sunday looking at it. You know, Mainz more or less are out of any European contention, which I think is a good thing for Dortmund if we look ahead to the last match day, because I just don't think they'll really care that too terribly much. So it, it, it's it's I, I would prefer it to all be at the same time to make sure nobody can throw out those terms like Wettbewerbsverzerrung that you didn't really try anymore. Um, and make those kind of accusations. Plus, you know, yeah, the, the title hasn't really been tight for a long time, but relegation has, European places have, there are still things that matter. And so you add tension if you have everybody play at the same time and you have that little bit of scoreboard watching. I mean, I remember as a kid, 
you know, going back 30 years when Stuttgart won the title and it was between Stuttgart, Frankfurt and Dortmund and everybody playing at the same time. And you still had those images of people like with their ears on radios, on those little portable transistor radios, kind of like listening. What's the score and in a different stadium and things like that, uh, that that's honestly, it's completely lost in that sense, because everything's already determined before. Now, obviously, on the last match day, we'll have that. But who knows? By the last match day, it may be that nobody has anything to play for anymore, and we're all just kind of moving on. Yeah, I think the reason for it being this way is so uh, the Bundesliga can sell individual games to the TV stations, as far as I know. Um, Maybe I'm wrong about this, but uh, if I had to guess, this would be my best guess. And um, yeah, it's very annoying. Also... We are all kind Kinder of the Bundesliga Conference, the children of the conference. That made zero sense. So basically, the Bundesliga Conference, for people who don't know, is like a simulcast um, where, or whip around or whatever you want to call it, um, where you switch uh, between the games and wherever a goal is scored, you know, the, the TV or radio feed, because there's also radio conference, will go to that game. And uh, yeah, these 90 minutes... Uh, drama packed obviously and uh, something I absolutely would love to watch on ESPN and I'm a little sad that this is not on offer um, here because watching the conference on on such a high stakes match day is always super fun and uh, you know creates awesome memories and just very dramatic and roller coaster and yep all these things uh, second best thing to being in the stadium I would say um But uh, yeah, obviously we're deprived of that right now. And uh, with this sort of matchup um, or match day uh, scheduling, we are deprived of it anyway, um, which is a little bit sad. But uh, yeah, just wanted to highlight that Freiburg absolutely need to win because even if they draw and Bayern theoretically win, um, Leipzig uh, would already have it because they would then be level on points. But the goal difference is just too to cross because Leipzig I think plus 18 and SC Freiburg are plus 6 so I don't think there's such a big goal swing um, within these two match days that uh, Freiburg could overcome it so they really um, Freiburg in this case have to beat Wolfsburg now if Wolfsburg play the way they played in Dortmund um, I'm fairly certain Freiburg will win this <laughs> um, but I have a hunch that uh, Wolfsburg will be a bit more professional this time around and um, yeah, might uh, clinch themselves the European spots. And I have to say, I, I I really want a barf if I see clubs like Wolfsburg and Leverkusen and then also Leipzig clock, clock up the European spots again, uh, where these clubs have almost zero to no following. And uh, yeah, maybe on, on sporting merit, uh, they deserve it, but uh, not on financial and uh, 50 plus one rule spirit merit. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, it's very annoying, but uh, the good news, I think, going into this Augsburg game, obviously Dortmund is training right now and there can be injuries, but uh, for now, um, they don't really have any key injuries going into this game, don't have any worries, so um, Dortmund can field their strongest 11. There were some question mark behind Jude Bellingham because he, of course, is nursing a knee injury through the season, but I think he'll be fine uh, in quotation marks going into Sunday's game. Um, I think this extra day also helps Dortmund out. And um, yeah, 
I'm really intrigued to to see what uh, Leipzig can do against Bayern because uh, that will probably determine the, the championship for us. Don't you think? Uh, I mean, we talked about it in, in the pre-pod. I also um, think that Cologne uh, can be a dangerous team for Bayern. They have already taken points off them this year. Um, but nevertheless, um, I really do think that on paper, Leipzig are, of course, Dortmund's best chance to win the championship. So let's talk about that game uh, real quick. Do you honestly think that Leipzig can go to the Allianz Arena and come away with something? Do you think that uh, Nkunku uh, can... I think I think Jan Sommer is out, so it might be against Ulreich and Upamecano uh, get the better of them, or do you think that Bayern will just completely destroy them and annihilate Leipzig like they probably will with Schalke as well? Uh, well, I think my hope is that both Marco Rose and Thomas Tuchel help uh, Borussia Dortmund win the title. That would just be kind of cool. Um, but, well, yeah, I mean, on paper, Leipzig definitely have a very good chance of going to Munich and turning up and getting a result, whether that's a point or three. Um, either one uh, I'll, I'll be okay with. And, you know, obviously Leipzig would be okay with in that sense. Uh, Bayern have brought in a little more focus here. Uh, but recently, or let's say against Schalke, but Schalke are just not a good side. So I, it's a tough one on paper. It is, this is the hopeful match. Köln next week, like we talked about pre-pod, Stefan Baumgart would be up for it. And then it'll, it'll, it'll be down to how a manager can project that to his players. I think, you know, Jonas Hector, who is uh, retiring after the season, has been a great servant to the club and the league. You know, he'll obviously not want to be embarrassed in his last home match as a Kölner. So, I mean, there are, and maybe they'll play for Stefan Baumgart, they'll play for Jonas Hector, and that can already be a driving force, because obviously in the league they have nothing to play for. They're not being relegated, they're not going to Europe, so there's pride at stake, but maybe that is the pride they need for coach and for, for their captain, Jonas Hector. So, in that sense, I, I think there's a chance there, and obviously Köln fans will turn up. And if there's a chance that they could be the key decider in the Bundesliga title match, a uh, title race and hurt Bayern in the process, then yeah. I mean, I think there you have the atmosphere that could do it. Um, but again, on paper, the best chance for Dortmund to gain a bit of an advantage is on Saturday evening, the late kickoff when Leipzig take on Bayern and Leipzig are a good side. If they play like they're capable of playing, I absolutely believe they can get a result. If they show up like they have occasionally this season where it's kind of been like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. No, then Bayern are going to score three or four against them. But uh, I, oh God, it's going to feel so bad in my soul to root for Leipzig. But uh, you know, at this, at right now, the ends justify the means. So, yeah, I mean, everyone's going to be watching and rooting for Marco Rose on Saturday evening. It's really hard to stomach because the the idea of Leipzig uh, getting Champions League football is very annoying, which is why the uh, 
very late win against Werder Bremen uh, annoyed the heck out of me. Um, I didn't even see it. I, I was watching this game until um, Bremen took the lead and then I had to take off or whatever. But um, yeah, just just very annoying because uh, that uh, yeah really increased uh, Leipzig's chances to play Champions League football. And I don't really think they deserve it, if I'm really honest. So <laughs> um, yeah, very annoyed with that. Very annoyed. Um, but more importantly... Um, it is maybe the one upside of this schedule is that you and I can watch this game um, by itself on, on Saturday. So at least we've got that going for us, which is, is potentially nice. We will see. Um, but maybe it, it'll be agonizing. And I do wonder if Bayern win, if this is going to diminish hopes in the hearts of the Dortmund players, or do you think that regardless of a Bayern win or not, that Dortmund will, um, yeah, just pounce Augsburg. I, I'll be honest, we will never know anyway, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering about I, that. I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll change their attitude because again, there's still one more game and, you know, they don't want, I mean, think about it. If Dortmund go, oh, oh, woe is me, Bayern won. And then they lay an egg against Augsburg for a draw and then Bayern lose to Köln on the last match day. You know, I mean, that's that's the scenario you don't want to play out, the what if. And so I think Dortmund are going to put absolutely everything out there, especially if you look at players like Alea, Bellingham, Hummels, um, Chan. You know, they are going to put absolutely everything out there for these last two matches, and that will infect everyone else around them to do the same thing. And so I'm I'm not concerned about a mentality switch off in these last two matches. So that's why I am confident of Dortmund's results. But unfortunately it's not it's not up to Dortmund in that sense. Uh, they can they can win, you know, 10-0 twice and if Bayern win out, it doesn't matter. Um, so but I think Dortmund is going to give absolutely everything against Augsburg, not get frustrated, not get dejected, and just keep focus and keep hammering. And I think um, so. That's why I'm confident they will win the last two matches. And then it's just down to how focused Bayern are as people who are perennial champions. Um, and who also, I mean, here's the weird thing with Bayern. They have nothing left to play for aside from the title. I mean, that's like their minimum thing they need to get now to even maybe say this was an okay season. Um, so, you know, pride is at stake for Bayern players there as well. And we know that they do have players that know how to dig deep. So uh, it's going to be a fascinating match and, and hopefully Leipzig can turn up and for once do something right in their miserable little lives. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know how you feel emotionally going into this, but um, I'll be honest, I've already done a little bit of title race grieving, if that makes sense, um, after the draw in Bochum. For whatever reason, I'm not uh, 100% there as I usually would be. Um, I don't know why. It's just uh, this this uh, draw in Bochum took a lot out of me because uh, fumbling it like this is very painful. 
Um, but maybe these uh, last two games can get me back in there. Now, what I'm convinced is that the game in Augsburg will definitely not be easy. I don't think Dortmund will just be like up 4-0 at halftime. I'm, I'm fairly certain that it's going to be a much closer win. And uh, yeah, that is, of course, uh, something Dortmund will have to fight and, and battle for. And then, of course, in the final match day, um, I also do believe that Mainz will make things a little harder, a little, yeah. <laughs> little tougher for us than uh, Gladbach and Wolfsburg did. So um, it's obviously not going to be as easy going, but, uh, you know, Dortmund have um, fumbled it so often now on the road and uh, not really shown the same metal um, they did uh, in the Westfalenstadion. So, yeah, this is sort of the last time to prove that they <laughs> have whatever it takes to have it, uh, which they haven't proven so far on the road, which is endlessly frustrating. But, uh, yeah, until then... Um, I don't think we have much more to preview. I mean, we can talk about Augsburg's team and whatnot, um, but uh, half of them are injured anyway, and the other half I don't even know anymore. So, you know, Andre Hahn, I think, is out. He has uh, given Dortmund uh, terrible woes. Uh, Rafael Gikiewicz, who usually has his best games of the seasons against Dortmund, uh, is out as well. So, and I think Kubek is isn't quite on the same level as him um so that all being said i i don't know this is this is a very average team that Dortmund absolutely must beat no matter if they play on the road or at home so i do believe strongly that Dortmund are going to come out victorious even though their away form has been absolutely dire recently and that's pretty much all i have to say matthias do you have any closing thoughts no, I mean, back-to-back weeks of ex-Dotmon uh, second team coaches uh, that Dotmon are facing, True. so... Oh, yeah, maybe, know, maybe we should talk about Ben Zabaini and how shit he help. was oh, yeah. real quick. Yeah, I mean, obviously he got he, he scored the penalty that wasn't a penalty and that never should have been given and should have been reviewed. Um, but he got absolutely owned by Daniel Mayen and had a horrible match. Um, he played like I, a poor man's Guerrero. I'll be honest. Yeah, you, yeah, you know mean, he, my, you might, you know my opinions and thoughts on yes. Ben I'm not a big yes. fan. I think he is Correct. a defensive liability as well, and I don't think he has the attacking upside quite as high as Guerrero. So I personally would not want to have him um, as a left back. Maybe uh, once again I will be wrong on that, but uh, for now um, I'm not really seeing anyone that can really upgrade. Uh, the Guerrero slot whatsoever. So to me, this is sort of uh, a head scratcher. But um, yeah, I, I also thought he he just played poorly. And uh, yeah, and that can happen. You know, I mean, uh, you come up against Man, who when he's in this type of form, he's one of the best players in the Bundesliga. Um, and he has pace and um, you know uh, balance and agility that most players don't have. But if you look at Dortmund left back situation, you know, you need someone who can stand up against the likes of Nabri, Sané, Coman, people like that from Bayern next season. And so, yeah, I mean, there's there's a little bit of a question mark well, there. At least he has beaten Bayern a couple of times. That's true. That is true. That is true. The one thing about Ben Sabaini that I do like is that he is a significantly 
better physical presence than Guerrero. I mean, he's just a bigger guy. Um, and he won't always be beaten on far post crosses uh, like Guerrero is constantly. So, yeah, we'll see. And, and players play better when they're supporting cast, when they're, you know, when everyone around them is better, too. You know, I mean, that's that's something we can't discount. I mean, I'll be honest, Julian Riason, I didn't expect this from him true. Uh, to, to be this good. Uh, I think if Dortmund get a left back. But the thing set, about Riason is that we did mm-hmm. expect him to be at least defensively solid. Which That's to true. me is sort That's of the true. main reason to get him, and every attacking output that he has is sort of a bonus. But with Benzebaini, I do not expect the same defensive solidity, discipline, and hustle, if I'm honest. So this is why I have this big question mark. I'd rather clone Rios on than have uh, Benzebaini at this point for left back. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if you think back to Dortmund under their heyday of Klopp, I mean, they had Piszczek. And Großkreuz, I mean, let's be honest, those were very workmanlike fullbacks, but they did an amazing job. Uh, they did benefit from the people ahead of them. And so, uh, sorry, not Großkreuz, Schmelzer. <laughs> but, you know, these were not top-tier fullbacks, um, but they they did the job they needed to do. And what what won't really need are fullbacks who are solid defensively because if you have players like Ariimi and Brandt and Mann and um, Alea doing what they do ahead of you, you don't need that much coming from the fullback position. You, what you need is the occasional overlaps, underlaps, good crosses, nice passes, which I think Dortmund are set on the right side. Um, I think, you know, with Wolf and Riazon, you've got your your fullback rotation for the right-hand side. And the nice thing is they both could play on the left-hand side. It's just that left-hand side is what really needs to be taken care of. And I agree with you. Ben Sabaini is one of those. He's a solid pro. You know, if don't get him for free uh, and just pay salary, and then then I'd be okay with it. You know, just not another Nico Schultz type situation. And he's obviously better than Nico Schultz. So in that case, I can't necessarily argue with getting him or against it. So I, we'll we'll just have to we'll just have to wait and see. Well, I guess it's it's funny that you bring up Nico Schulz because I'm not entirely sure he is better than Nico Schulz in the sense that uh, the Hoffenheim Nico Schulz was I think better arguably than the Gladbach Benzebaini. However, the Dortmund Nico Schulz maybe also due to whatever is going on in his private life has completely fallen off a cliff. And he's a much worse player. And also, of course, factoring into that is that um, the uh, Hoffenheim Nico Schulz also played in an entirely different system than he ever played in Dortmund. So that maybe hit his weaknesses. Um, but I digress. So um, the point you make that uh, players become better if they have better service around them does not apply to every player that we have signed. So I just wanted to put this little warning on there that this isn't necessarily 100% a given. No, that that's true. But I mean, this Dortmund side is also better than any Dortmund side has been in a few seasons. Uh, even if Bellingham leaves, obviously that'll be a drop in quality. But if you re-sign Guerrero and you maybe plug him into that number eight spot, well, about um, Guerrero, there the uh, the we'll moving see. boxes are out. 
<laughs> I don't know if yeah, you read it. I mean, who knows? So. Who knows? I, I mean, I would have rather Dortmund would have gotten someone like Grimaldo, who unfortunately is obviously not coming. He's going to Leverkusen. I think that would have been a better option, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. But for right now, the focus is purely on the next 90 minutes of football on the pitch. That is true. That, But I am excited to talk off-season with you and, and to transfers because when we talk about Nico Schulz and, and uh, Dahoud and whatnot, uh, a lot of wage is going to be freed up. You know, if, say, maybe even Hummels retires, uh, Marco Reus, I think, just took a pay cut. So there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of room to operate for for Sebastian Kiel, so I'm really intrigued to see uh, how we're gonna fill these gaps if uh, Bellingham leaves. But there are just so many question marks still. I don't even know if it makes sense to really talk about it now, even though it is kind of interesting. Um, but as you said, um, Augsburg and uh, Mainz are to me far more interesting than uh, whatever happens in the off season. Gosh, should we not win the championship? There's still plenty of this to talk about <laughs> but in the meantime Matthias uh, as always thank you for joining um, I'm I'm a little sad that you didn't hear the Jaschmelle uh, soundboard clip I played because uh, you do not hear the soundboard um, because otherwise I would have to wire way more cables and I don't uh, have a nice roadcaster <laughs> so unfortunately this is how it's right now um, but nevertheless uh, again thanks for lending your expertise and uh, you know chatting always a joy ones with me always a joy yeah yeah in good and bad times i would say it's always fun to do this podcast so um yeah everyone out there as always thank you for listening and uh, have a great weekend until next time goodbye